16, if you will. Uh, this is Thanksgiving week. I love Thanksgiving. I love the fall. We never have fall in Kentucky. It tends to go from 95 degrees to, to shivering. Uh, but I do love the fall, and I do love Thanksgiving, and I do love the opportunity to kind of focus our attention upon positive things that God has done. There's so much negativity in the world today. Would you not agree? But I'm thankful that the people of God have the opportunity to talk about the blessings that are upon our life. And so Thanksgiving is a powerful, powerful thing. Now, I want to talk to you for a few minutes from this passage of Scripture about Thanksgiving. I don't have a fancy title today. I just, in my notes, I put Thanksgiving 2019. That's how creative I was this week. But the Word of God, I believe, will speak to us powerfully today if we will take the time to listen. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 11, it says, And on the way to Jerusalem he was passing along between Samaria and Galilee, and as he entered a village he was met by ten leopards, lepers, not leopards, <laughs> lepers, that would have been an entirely different story, wouldn't it? Ten lepers who entered a village, who stood at a distance, and lifted up their voices, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way, for your faith has made you well. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Let me... Uh, be responsible in my preaching today and to say the things that would bring encouragement and strength and victory to your people. Father, touch us in a powerful way by your word, and we'll give you thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, sometimes we must slow the pace of life to properly give thanksgiving and to initiate a lifestyle of gratefulness. How many of you are busy? Can I see your hands? How many of you are so busy sometimes that you think you'll never breathe again? How many times do you fall into bed having had a, an extremely busy day and say, oh, how much I love my bed? We're busy, busy people, and sometimes our lifestyle steals our thanksgiving and our praise. And so what I would suggest to you today is that there are times that we just need to slow that process down and take a few moments and say, even though we are busy, we are also blessed. And if we allow our busyness to take priority over our blessings, then it's hard for us to be grateful and thankful. So I want us to talk about that for a little bit today. Now, here in this story and in the context of this story, you've heard it preached on many times. You've heard it taught on many times. There are a lot of variables in this story that I know that we could get to, but I want to take it from a very different perspective today. 
But there were 10 lepers who uh, had this disease in their body and they just happened to uh, come in contact with Jesus. And from a dense distance, they called out to him and said, Have mercy on us, Lord and Master. And Jesus had mercy on them and he healed them. He healed all of them. And he said, Go show yourselves to the priests so that you can be set free from the restrictions that are on you. And so God did, through Jesus Christ, this wonderful, powerful thing. Now, most pastors, and I've been guilty of this as well, will acknowledge the leper who returned to thank Jesus while simultaneously kicking the nine who did not return and then close the message by saying something like like this. How many of you are like the nine who refuse to give thanks? Well, I don't want to heap that kind of condemnation on you today. The reality is, is that we've all missed opportunities to give thanks. But we've also taken opportunity to give thanks when it was before us. But today I want to look at it from a different perspective. There are some deep truths that I think can be found in this little story. And so today I want to talk about those. Let's begin by looking at leprosy. Let's look at all the stuff that they were going through. Now, I did a little research this week, and here's what I discovered, is that leprosy was something in those days that, that gave and presented the following challenges. Number one, there was the physical challenge. Leprosy is caused by a bacteria similar to tuberculosis. But it is unique, and it has terrible differences. It reprograms the body on a cellular level so that the body actively begins attacking itself. It causes pigment changes in the skin. It causes sores that either will not heal or will take months and months to heal. And those sores can leave the body vulnerable to infections and things that would not normally have an effect on the body. So it is a terrible, vulnerable place to be. Not only that, this disease causes a progressive neurological problem that, that allows them not to be able to sense or to feel any sensation on their skin or in their body. And it causes their muscles to be unable to respond as the brain sends the message. So there, there are many different ways that this, this disease would affect them physically. Research tells us that once someone was diagnosed with leprosy, it could sometimes stay in the body and do its damage for somewhere around the neighborhood of 30 plus years. So this is not a simple, quick thing that they had to deal with. But when, when, when they were declared that, that they had leprosy, they were expecting a long life of pain and frustration. So it had a physical element involved. Then it had an emotional element involved. Because lepers were cut off from people. From the very moment that they were diagnosed, they were required to be quarantined in a camp outside of the city so they were no longer able to interact with their family and their friends. They were removed from their community. 
A leper would never again feel the embrace of his wife or be able to play ball with his child or be able to have a Thanksgiving dinner with his grandchildren. By the way, my firstborn grandchild turned 16 today. Go by and whoop him at least that many times just for the fun of it. They couldn't celebrate moments like that because they were required to be outside of the camp. They were re- required by law that if they got in, into a certain distance where someone was, someone else, they had to yell out at them and declare that I am in your presence and I am unclean. Aren't you thankful that we don't have to do that today? Because of the things that can make us unclean. So all of these things work together to remove them from their community of friends and loved ones. And they look forward, if you will, in a sense, to living life in a community of people who were sick with the same disease that they had. And they were all called in that culture, the untouchables. The untouchables. So emotionally, they, it had an impact on their life. And then environmentally, it had an impact on their life. A leper had to live with watching his body slowly deteriorate in the sense that there were days that literally chunks of their skin and their body would fall off And had to remain in the community and could not be carried away because it was so contagious. And so they could get up every morning not knowing whether or not a part of their body would be lost. And when it was lost and it remained in the community, the stench was unbelievable. Beth Moore in one of her books wrote, about a time that she went overseas and while there doing some missionary work, they invited her to go and preach to a leper of colonies. And when she went, she tried on three different occasions to enter into the commune there uh, with all of the necessary uh, precautions. But the thing that prevented her from being able to go in was the stench And the smell, and she said three times she attempted to enter and could not because it would make her sick to her stomach. Now, if you're sensitive to bad smells and things of that nature, you know exactly what it is that I'm talking about. So there are a lot of things that were involved in this disease called leprosy. And we have these 10 individuals that are walking down the road one day dealing with all of these these situations and these uh, these things that would afflict them. And and while they were removed from everyone else, they see Jesus coming and they yelled out at him likely in reference to the law by saying something like, We are unclean and we are in your presence. But they didn't stop there. They continued and said, Lord, Master, have mercy on us. Aren't you glad today that no matter how difficult your circumstances and situations are, that God is able to give mercy and provision for us. Amen. It requires faith. 
So let's talk a minute about faith and what is required. Someone has said that if you wait until your problems are over to start walking in faith, you will miss the power of God in your circumstances. Now, how many of you know that your circumstances are a wonderful opportunity for you to display faith and for God to show up big? Now, it's not like God has to come from somewhere because if you're a Christian, the power of God, the Spirit of Christ lives within you and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. But it gives God an opportunity to do something in your, in your experience and in your circumstance that will cause you to look back and say, God is more than able to do this. You see, when I stood before you this morning asking you to consider giving generously to this situation, I didn't come saying, I wonder if they will. I don't know if they will. I don't know if God is able to do this. Listen, I've been here over nine years, and I have watched God time after time after time after time bring resources into this body of Christ that were not available to us, but because He is able, He brought the need, the the resources, and met the need. I can regale you with story after story after story about how God has done the miraculous over the last nine years. Those of you who have been walking this journey with me, you already know that. But I'm just simply saying to you today that we serve a God today who is able to do whatever is needed in your life if you can have faith. You see, we don't, when we go to God and ask Him to do something on our behalf, we don't put conditions on Him. We don't say, God, I want you to do this, but I want you to do it like this. I want you to do this, but I don't want you to require anything of me in the process. No, we don't put conditions on God. So we can't say, Lord, as soon as I have enough money, then I will pay tithe and I will give. Just as soon as I have enough money. No, you pay tithe and you give and then God moves in and blesses because you have exercised faith. You cannot say, Lord, if you'll just solve this issue in my family, I'll start going to church regularly again. No, you start coming to church regularly again and interacting with God and God's people. In the process of that, God begins to give you a testimony that will allow you to speak words of faith that will impact those who need to hear it. Amen. See, we don't put conditions on God. Instead, he will ask you, will you love me and serve me in spite of this disease and this sickness? Will you obey me despite the lack or the ability in your mind of the necessary resources to be obedient? Will you follow me? even though there's depression all around you? Will you trust me when it seems impossible to trust me? Will you trust me with your children? Will you believe that when you dedicated them to me when they were little babies uh, that I would actually direct their steps and keep my hand uh, of grace and mercy upon me? them? Will you trust me uh, even when it looks like that you're going through a 
very difficult situation. You see, faith is the seed that brings about the movement of God and the fruit that he has for us. If you don't sow, there will be no fruit. If you don't plant something into the kingdom of God, you will struggle your entire life going through things that could easily be remedied if you will just trust God. Somebody say amen today. You see, God calls us to trust Him before anything has changed. Now, you know how I feel about this. I don't think God's called us to be liars. So if I fall off this stage, and I'm not going to do that, I'm going to stand way back here. But if I fall off this stage and break my leg and the bone's sticking out, I'm not going to walk around and say, my leg's not broke. It's healed. I'm not going to lie to you when you can see the blood and the bone sticking out. But what I will say to you is, by his stripes, I'm healed. He will heal this. He will bring it back together. He will cause this bone to set and it will be better than ever before. I might go let a doctor set it for me, but I know the doctor is able because of the wisdom and the knowledge that my God has given the doctor to be able to perform the procedure that is working on my leg. I believe that Jesus Christ is the divine healer of our bodies and the healer of our souls and the healer of our lives. And I trust him in every way and I will declare it before. Before I see the evidence of what I'm asking him to do. I believe it now, even though the answer may not come until tomorrow or next week or next month or whenever. Because God is faithful and will perform what needs to be performed on our behalf. Amen. So God calls us to trust him before anything has changed. He's looking for some Noahs who didn't even know what rain was, who sure didn't know what an ark was, but because God said build an ark because rain is coming, Noah started constructing an ark. How? Why? It was because he had faith in what God told him was going to happen. He wants some Abrahams in, this, in, this, in his kingdom. Some people who God will say, I will give you the ability to have a child through your wife Sarah. And she will provide the seed. You will provide the seed that will allow me to populate this earth. And your offspring will be like the sands of the seashore and like the stars in the sky. If you could count them, uh, then you would be able to know and see what I'm about to do. Listen, most of the time when God is getting ready to do something in your life, uh, He's not going to do it before you ask because the Scripture says you have not because you ask not. But when you ask and keep on asking and you seek and you keep on seeking and you knock and you keep on knocking, then the Lord will provide everything that you have need of. So will you trust Him beyond what you can see? Will you have faith even though it is the size of a mustard seed? Let me tell you, that's plenty enough faith for God to do whatever needs to be done. If you have that much faith, you can speak to the mountain and say, be removed into the sea. And we will have to obey your command because God says so. 
You say, well, I've never moved a mountain. Well, you're looking at a, a man that never has. I've never felt the need, as Bob Carlisle says. I've never come up to a mountain and felt like I need to remove it into the sea. But let me tell you something. There's been stuff in my life that seemed a lot like a mountain to me. There have been things in my life that seemed a lot like an obstacle to me. But I have enough faith in Jesus Christ uh, that he is able to move uh, and deliver me from the obstacles uh, that stand in front of me. It's never the right time for you to quit. It's never the right time for you to give up. It's never the right time for you to give in and say it's not possible. Because with God, all things are possible. Amen? So now let's, let's talk a little bit about thanksgiving. We talked about the circumstances, the description of what leprosy is, which was their circumstance. We've talked about faith and how it is necessary But let's talk for a minute about this thing called thanksgiving. There are three things I want to share with you about this. And I'm not just now starting to preach. I've been preaching the whole time. But I have three thoughts about thanksgiving that I want to share with you today that are found in this passage of Scripture. And the first one is this. We have to learn how to track our blessings back to their source. Did you ever get blessed and then think, where'd that come from? I wonder how that happened. What's up with that? Listen, if something good has happened in your life, let me tell you where it came from. It didn't come from your old nasty neighbor next door. It didn't come from the devil. It didn't come from anything that doesn't. No, the world is not trying to bless you. The devil's trying to kill you and steal from you and destroy you. Jesus came that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. So he is the giver of good things. He is the giver of life. We sang earlier today that the very breath in our lungs comes uh, from the very God that we serve today. We've got to learn how to track our blessings back to God. He is the one. He said in verse 17, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Now, Jesus' questions here point to an ugly thing that that exists in our heart, all of us. And it is this. We all have a tendency to enjoy the gift without worshiping the giver. Did you get that? We all have a tendency to enjoy the gift without worshiping the giver. As my mama taught me, anytime somebody does something good for you, you ought to at the very least say thank you. Let me tell you something. God has been so good to us. It would be a shame and a sin for us to know to do good and not do it by giving the thanks that he is deserving for the many blessings that are in our lives. He has blessed us on the right. He has blessed us on the left. He has blessed us in front. He has blessed us behind. He has blessed us above. And he has blessed us up below. We are surrounded by the blessings of God. And no matter which direction you are headed in today, let me tell you, if you will open your eyes, you will see the hand of God's blessings upon you. We've got to learn to track it back to him. It's called common grace, what we're experiencing. The grace of God in America is so, so common among us that we've grown accustomed to it. 
We've grown accustomed to the blessings of God. And so when God blesses us in another way or in a new way or in a fresh way, we're so accustomed to His blessings in life that we think, well, I don't need to acknowledge it. I don't need to say thank you because I know that he's blessed me because he wants to. And so I'm, I'm going to let it slip. No, there's never a time when she, we should not acknowledge the blessings of God and know full well. Because our blessings from yesterday will be the impetus for our future victories. Amen. You see, when we're up against something else, uh, it won't be, well, I don't know if he can get me through this. I don't know if he will. I don't know if he will provide. I don't know if he will heal me. I don't know if he will restore unto me the joy of my salvation. I don't know if he'll fix my marriage. I don't know if he'll save my kids. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. It's because you're looking forward instead of looking back. Because if you'll just look back and say, oh, he blessed me there and he blessed me there and he blessed me again there and blessed me again over there and blessed me again here. I cannot keep silent about the blessings that God has bestowed upon my life. And if he did it back then, he will do it again. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> Some of you are squirming. I love it. Listen, if God's been good to you, if he's only been good to you one time, and I don't believe that, not for a million bucks, but if he's only been good to you one time, you have a responsibility and a right to declare loudly the blessings of God upon your life. There's a story told about a teacher who asked her students to list what they th thought were the seven wonders of the world. And the kids started raising their hands and saying things like this. Egypt's great pyramids. The Taj Mahal. The Grand Canyon. China's great wall. And I would like to just add to that list indoor plumbing. Amen. I mean, they're giving all these wonderful things, the seven wonders of the world. But there was one little girl there that did not raise her hand. She did not add anything to the list. And so the teacher asked her if she had anything to add. And she replied, I can't make up my mind about which ones because there are so many. And so the teacher asked her to say what she had so far, and maybe they could help her get more. And the girl said, to me, the seven wonders of the world are to see and to hear and to touch and to taste and to feel and to laugh and to love. Man, what words of wisdom. Because let me tell you, if we can all think about those kinds of things, we will be made aware of the big blessings that come in small packages to those of us who are His. Psalm chapter 103 verses 1 and 5 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of His benefits. 
who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all of your disease, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. I agree with the psalmist. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Stand up with me for just a second. I want you to stand there, and I, I just sometimes you got to do something. I'm not quitting yet, Justin. Go back to your seat. Amen. No, I'm just kidding. I'm only kidding you. That's my son-in-law, so I can talk to him like that. It's, it says that he will renew our youth like the eagles. How many of you have ever felt old? How many of you have ever felt insignificant? How many of you have ever felt like that you're irrelevant? I was asking my daughter this week, I said, will you explain to me what it means to be woke? I don't know what it means. I'm old. I don't understand all this. And her first words were simply this. Woke is a word that you should never use. And then she explained to me what woke is. Have you ever felt woke? Have you ever felt canceled? Have you ever felt like that you were no good for nothing? Let me tell you, the Bible says that he will raise you up and give you youth and give you wings uh, like the eagle. So I want everybody to spread your wings out and flap them just two or three things uh, and give thanksgiving and praise uh, and to the Lord. Amen. For he is worthy of our thanksgiving. Amen. Praise the Lord in the middle of your flapping right now. God is ministering to somebody in this house and healing bodies and healing minds. Amen. You can be seated now. So what does that have to do with the leper? Some way on his way to the priest somehow, this man who had been healed walked through the same spiritual exercise. He counted his blessings and he returned to the blesser. He could simply not be blessed without letting the blesser know how appreciative that he was. Listen, I'm telling you, we've got to bless the Lord within our soul. The next thing about thanksgiving is, is that we've got to measure our thanksgiving in proportion to his mercy. You see, we, we see an unchangeable principle here in the life of this man. And the principle is this. The one who has been healed much, praises much. To the one who has been blessed much, they, in turn, bless much. To the one who has been delivered much, they give thanksgiving much. The Bible says to those who have been given much, much will be required. I'll tell you what, we used to sing the old song in the church, when he reached down his hand for me. The Gold City Quartet used to sing like this. He had to reach way down for me. I don't know how far he had to reach for you. I don't know how low you were. You may have been lower than a snake's belly in a wagon wheel rut. 
But no matter how low you were, the gracious hand of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was willing to reach however far he had to reach to get you up on solid and level ground. So if that's you today, let me tell you, you ought to be the loudest praiser in the house. If God has done great things for you, you ought to be praising him with all that you have. Someone said it like this, and I love this. He said, you feel the rescue so deeply that you want others to know the rescuer. Isn't that good? Oh, let me tell you, there have been days that I knew that I'd been rescued. There have been days that I walked and lived in the reality that if it had not been for the Lord on my side, uh, tell me where would I be? But I don't have to consider the possibility that the Lord is not on my side uh, because I know that the Lord is not only on my side, uh, but He is in me, giving me breath. He is the reason that I live and move and have my very existence. Amen. It means amplified praise. It means joy at the top of your lungs. It doesn't mean, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I appreciate what you've done for me. Thank you so much. You've been good to me. Hallelujah. Glory. I doesn't mean that. He's talking about amplified praise. I don't know. I wasn't there. I didn't see the movie. I didn't see the instant replay. But if I read scripture right and am able to exegete the Greek language here, I think I know what was happening. I think what we know is, is that this man was on his way to be certified clean by the priest. And he started saying, oh, man, I'm healed already. My skin's coming together. The color's coming back. All the places that is had gone, it's all coming back together. I don't understand. I was weak before, but now I'm strong. I had nothing with to, to operate with before, but now I'm healed. I'm whole. I don't know how it did, did how it happened. I can't describe it, but I don't need to go experience some religious experience when I can go back to the one who healed me. And he came walking down that road with his voice loud saying praise the name of the Lord thank you for your gracious blessings amen my wife said she wanted to go TJ Maxx Friday and that means that I have to take her so I took her to TJ Maxx and I said I'm going to pull around and let you get out I'm going to go right over there there's a Spot right there close by. And when you get in line, text me. I'll come. I'll get you. I'll pick you up. Been doing it for 40 years. Soon be 41. But while I'm sitting there, I decide I'm going to read while she's inside. And I'm, I've got a quiet spot. It's all good. Everything's feeling nice. And then somebody pulled into the spot right next to me. And they were one of those thumpers. You know what I'm talking about? Boom, 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 boom. I mean, I could hear it. I could feel it in my belly. And first thing I'm thinking is, you got to be kidding me. 
I parked out so that I could have this silence and this time. And here you're going to come thump my way into a bad attitude. So I look over. I'm going to give them a dirty look. See if I can't inspire them to move somewhere else. And I recognize that all of the windows had film on them. And I couldn't even see inside. All I could hear was boom, 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 boom. It was loud. And I'm thinking, well, you know, I don't know. Lord, thank you. Thank you for sending this individual by to ruin my day today. <laughs> There's obviously something you're trying to work out of me. And so, Lord, if you don't mind, just go ahead and get it out so we can get it over with. <laughs> and just a few minutes later, this guy gets out of the car and he pulls these britches up. <laughs> Listen, I understand that. The older I get, the more pulling of my britches I have to do. What used to hold them up isn't there anymore, and so I have to pull them up. My kids make fun of me all the time because they tell when I've been to the, to the restroom. They say, your pants are way up here. <laughs> so he gets up, and he jerks his britches up, and he has a smile on his face. I mean, He's happy. He walks by in front of me and he just giving me this happy smile, kind of like, hey, life good. And I don't know him. I don't know if he's a Christian. I don't know. I, I could not say. But I can tell you this one thing. He was happy about something. He was feeling good about life. And he didn't mind who in the world knew uh, that he was bumping to the music. Let me tell you, there are a few Christians uh, who know that their soul has been rescued from the depths of hell that ought to be bumping uh, your way to Thanksgiving uh, and letting the world know how good God is. Amen. Amen. Come on and help me quit now, Justin. Did I make you mad and you left and went home? There he comes. There he is. There's one other thing, and it is that we must be thankful for the fullness of grace. Grace covers all of the bases. Now, there's something I want to point out to you that you may not know, and that is that as Jesus is having a conversation with these lepers, he chooses his words carefully. Now, I want you to notice that in verse uh, 15, we find a word that was applied to all 10 of the lepers when Jesus said, you are healed. All 10 of them were healed. What this word means in the Greek is that you have been mended, that your body is whole or is cured. So he's speaking in medical terms here and saying the disease that you have been challenged by has been overcome by my word. And so he says to all 10 of them, you are healed. And then in verse 17, he says to all 10 of them, he uses a word that means you have been cleansed, which emphasizes wellness, but in addition has a 
social dimension as well. Because what it meant was is that he was promising them that when they go to the priest to be examined, they are going to not be declared unclean, but they will from this moment on be declared clean. So they will go into the priest feeling as though they are unclean. But when they leave the presence of the the priest, they will know that they have been declared clean. Do you you mind if I just preach there just for a minute? Some of you are carrying around uncleanness that happened in your life years ago. And the Lord forgave you of that a long time ago. The Lord delivered you of that hurt and that pain a long time ago, but you're refusing to lay it down and refusing to give it up. Let me just say to you today, by the word of the Lord, it's time for you to lay it down. It's time for you to get it out of your spirit. It's time for you to do whatever you have to do uh, to forget it. He forgot it a long time ago. He removed it a long time ago. He removed it from your life a long time ago. But the more you talk about it and the more that you engage with it, it just keeps it alive in your life. Listen, there's some stuff in your life that you need to get rid of and get it out of your spirit because the Lord has already cleansed you and made you whole. Aren't you thankful for that today? But there's one more word that Jesus uses. And this word he does not use when he is referencing the ten lepers. He only says it to the one who came back. And this word that he uses is not a medical term except for it meant to describe when a woman delivered a baby successfully. So it speaks of successful deliverance. Listen, in Scripture days, delivering a baby was very dangerous. They didn't have all the many medical advances that we have today, and it was very common in those days for a woman to die in childbirth because of some of the things that could take place. And so when a woman came through childbirth successfully and had been delivered by the hand of the Lord, here's how they said that. They said, you have been the recipient of sozo. S-O-Z-O. It was a word that they used in that culture to describe anyone who had been delivered in a way that allowed them to experience victory. So if a sailor went out into the sea to catch fish or to do whatever they do out there, and the storm arose and began to batter the ship back and forth, if the hand of the Lord delivered them, when they would come into port, their families and their friends and their acquaintances would stand on the, in the port by the boat dock. And as they would come in, they would begin to applaud. And they would begin to say, so-so, 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 so-so. You have been so-so. 
you have been delivered you have been set free there is no longer a bondage that is holding you you have been so sold and so what he is saying to this leper who came back and gave thanksgiving he said you had the same blessings as the other nine but you've taken your blessing to another level because you have believed in such a way that you not only believe in your healing but you now believe in me and because you believe in me you have been sozoed your sins are forgiven you've made you've been washed as white as snow all of the trans transgressions of your life have been removed as far as the east is from the west never to be remembered against you again your name has been entered into the Lamb's book of life you have been so sold by God Oh, I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that I'm not only healed and I'm not only cleansed, but I've been so sold by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ Stand with me if you will. The Apostle Paul was not ignorant of this fact. And when he wrote, he said this. He said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you shall be sozoed. I'm so thankful for it. Will you bow your heads with me this morning?